Welcome back to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. We're on podcast 18, and it will be Jesus's many miracles at Peter's house. Uh, this is taken from Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 4. So um, as most of you know, this is the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr., Associate Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, and I'm joined by my father, who is the Senior Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church, author of the fire series and so forth. So a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah. A lot of good stuff happening this week. We got VBS going on and it's been a lot of fun. Been using my curriculum. We saved a lot of money that way. Um, brought It's Christmas in July. So we brought all of our uh, Christmas stuff there. So saved a lot of money and uh, it's really good time. Teachers are doing a great job and all the help. It's um, for our size church. Uh, we had like 25 volunteers which is wonderful. Mm. So uh, it's been it's been awesome so. to see those children come down the street and uh, be excited to be there. Christmas trees mm-hmm. for uh, July, and the best part is your curriculum. How fun it must be for you uh, to to use that. And you're one hundred percent right. Your curriculum is free for all, uh, but for us to use it is uh, is very special too. So it's 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 been a good a good week. So a little tired, but it's been I a bet. good week. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to this. So mm-hmm. this is the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So in today's passage, we will witness Jesus demonstrating his power and authority over all things on earth. The reason why is to affirm his role as Messiah and Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do it just for the sake of doing it. He, it was a point. Mm-hmm. He, he could easily heal the sick and cast out fevers with the spoken word, showcasing, showcasing his command over the physical world. Hmm. Likewise, just as Jesus exercises dominion over the physical realm, we're going to see that all of a sudden he's just casting out all these evil spirits, and he has uh, obviously power over spiritual forces as well, hmm. and nothing can withstand his authority, mm-hmm. except it seems like sometimes mankind, yeah. at least their will, mm-hmm. uh, not to acknowledge him as king and submit to his rule. Good point. So our, our question today is simple, but it's pointed, especially at the Christian. Mm-hmm. So have I fully submitted my physical body, including my mind and strength, as well as my spiritual soul to the command of my king? Right. So we see creation submits to him, the spiritual realm, when he gives a command and must submit to him. Really? So, uh, but have we submitted to him? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll just get right to the Good. text today. So um. Instead of starting in Matthew, we'll start in Mark. Mm-hmm. So this is Mark one twenty nine. if you're joining along. So as soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. So if we remember from our last podcast, yeah. Jesus had just cast out a demon for the first time at the synagogue. And the text said, after he did this miracle, at once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. So Jesus's popularity is really starting to pick up right now. And this narrative picks up directly after the last narrative. So he goes into the synagogue, he teaches, he heals the man. Now he's leaving the synagogue. And we talked about this before, but it looks like Peter's house was about two houses down from the synagogue. So it was a very short walk to the synagogue. So he leaves the synagogue, passes one structure. I'm not sure what that structure is, mm-hmm. because now you can see the pictures, right. of what they believe, where they believe it was. Mm-hmm. They know the synagogue was, mm-hmm. goes to his house. And uh, 
he's going to go there and do some miracles as well. So the question is, what happened when they arrived at Simon Peter's house? Simon's mother-in-law, this is verse 30, Mm -hmm. was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. Yeah. Number one is a fast-paced gospel. Mark Uh, Mark gets you boom, 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 boom. Uh, Back in verse 29, as soon as uh, eutheos. 80 times New Testament, mostly in Mark. You know, it's a Roman world. They want things swiftly. But four times even leading up to this account, 110, 118, 120, 121, it's immediately, as soon as. Uh, so we're moving uh, rapidly. And, and now we have a, a wonderful account, as you refer, covered in three Gospels about Peter's, and here we go, mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And that would uh, rock the world of uh, Catholicism. <laughs> But it's clear in the scripture. Yeah. So as we see, uh, she's lying in bed with a fever. Now notice that the uh, Simon or Peter, mm-hmm. uh, Simon was such a common name that you can see why Jesus renamed him. I mean, Jesus even has a brother named Simon. Right. We see about in the Gospels. There's a lot of people named Simon. Mm-hmm. So um, this is Simon Peter. So here he is. His mom, mother-in-law is sick. But notice they told him about her at once. They're expecting something, are they not? It's, I, when I read this, it was like uh, Jesus's mother in John 2 mm. uh, with the water into wine. It's like she brings, hey, Jesus, we're, uh, we're lacking <laughs> yeah. something here. They told him. I don't think it's just an informative thing. I think there's some expectation here. Yeah, I don't think it's like, stay away, she's sick. I think it's, uh, <laughs> that's right. we know you're a Messiah, you can do something. Yeah. So... Just to make the point, Simon was a married man. That's mm-hmm. the only way you get a mother-in-law. That's right. <laughs> um, the Roman Catholics uh, traced their power structure from Peter, mm-hmm. who in their minds was the first pope. Yeah. So they would just say, you know, he was the first pope there in Rome. Therefore, you know, we, we come from there. However, they teach that priests, nuns, and popes cannot be married based on their man-made foolish traditions. So they say, because, you know, he wasn't married, you guys can't be married. Right. And it's like, hmm, what does the text say? Uh, some in the church claim that Peter's wife must have died before Jesus called him, and that is why he is taking care of mm. his mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that Peter traveled with his wife. And this is what Paul wrote. He said, don't we have the right to be accompanied by believing wives? Like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers, and Cephas, which is also Simon or Peter. So, uh, obviously, they had, he had his wife with him. The other apostles later on had wives with him. So, Paul wrote the dangers of those who forbid marriage. Mm -hmm. This is actually one of those things he says to watch out for. And it's one of the things that Catholics endorse. Mm -hmm. And we find that in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Now, the Spirit explicitly says, now... (laughs) How much clearer can you get to that? Then in the later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons Mm. through the hypocrisy of liars who consciences are seared. Now notice what they teach. Mm -hmm. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. So they're practicing the very thing that the Spirit said, 
you should not practice. <laughs> That's why you get the uh, exegetical gymnastics with Peter that it wasn't his wife and all the excuses. But it was pretty late when uh, Paul Penn's First uh, Corinthians, about AD 56. So yeah, obviously he'd been married for a while uh, at this point, but he's clearly married. And the scriptures make it clear. Uh, Paul was a gifted man, and, and people don't tend to think about this. In 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he had the gift of celibacy. But it was a gift, and it's actually charisma is the Greek term used, which means it's the spiritual gift. Same word as in 1 Peter 4, 10, that each one has received a gift. Uh, so marriage was the norm, and it always has been. And this uh, bears that out that much more by Paul just showing what the spirit will be uh, during the last days. So, and we see that with the Catholic Church, especially with, um, they say Jesus did not have any brothers yeah. because his mom had to be a virgin forever, which is a doctrine they cast upon scripture exactly. much later, even though it says his four brothers. Yeah. Um, one of them, as I mentioned, named Simon. Simon yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and two of the brothers wrote books of the Bible, James and Jude, and then yeah. there's Josie. So, uh, it's just kind of obvious that. People take scripture, but then they take their tradition and they throw their tradition on top yeah. of scripture and try to say, well, Bible says this, but tradition says that. Right. Yeah. If you find yourself, listener, at a place where the Bible says one thing, but your teacher says something else, get out of there. That's right. Go with the Bible. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell people we're a Bible church because we simply say, what does the Bible say? How does it apply to us? And, you know, let's apply as we would say, a biblical historical hermeneutic, you know, yeah. so. That's where authority is found. Yeah. It's, it's never going to be in the traditions of men, mm -mm. Uh, but it's in the word of God. Yeah. So with all that said, he had a mother-in-law. That shows you the foolishness of man when you have to make one statement and just explain why mm -hmm. the Bible's true and tradition is not. Right. So he, Jesus, this is verse 31, mm -hmm. went to her, took her by the hand, not something you normally do with a woman with a high fever. Yeah. Um, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. And this reminds me just like that demon that Jesus had cast out earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this just sickness is gone. Yeah, I see a lot of the uh, charlatans yeah. with healings today, and like the person's still kind of limping, or yeah. it takes them like 20 minutes to actually start to take a step. Where with Jesus, when it happens, it's just instantaneous. She kept on serving them is what it says <laughs> in the Greek text. Yeah. So her energy is back. Yeah. And she was probably thrilled to be able to yeah. do that after being uh, laid up for a long period of time, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. So you would think that would be the end of this passage. Yeah. Jesus teaches all day. He casts out a demon. He heals right. this woman. Yeah. But we see the passage is just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And when evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon possessed. Mm -hmm. Now, here's kind of to me a sad, a sad fact. Mm -hmm. um, and the question is, why did they wait till after the sun had set? Yes. And it was the Sabbath. So these people feared that the religious leaders did not want them and did not want to break their man made rules by being healed on the Sabbath. So their day ended, obviously, when the sun set. Mm -hmm. Different, obviously, from our our time we use that's right pardon me but uh so as soon as the sun set and the sabbath was over they brought all these people to him yeah so basically they feared the pharisees rules so much that instead of saying hey we have all these sick people demon possessed let's bring them to jesus immediately mm -hmm. they wait 
or the Sagna set, so the next day technically has come, and then they can have Jesus heal them. So just kind of a sad state of where man was at at this time. Exactly. Uh, It's intriguing here because there's a distinction also made between the sickness and demon possession. Uh, I think that's important to note how the text is uh, broken out because sometimes people put those two erroneously (laughs) uh, together. And if I can just share uh, a language um, uh, idiom here, you have the word all in verse 32. When Mm -hmm. evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon possessed. Then when you come down to verse 34, and he healed many. The all and the many. Uh, it's an idiom, and what I mean by that, it's one and the same thing. Uh, so, in other words, all the sick people, and there were a lot of them, that's why we have the word many, uh, shows the unity of the thought. And if I can break this down a little further, for instance, in Isaiah uh, 53, uh, it says, And he, God the Father, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. No. But then it goes on to say down in verse 12, and he bore the sin of many, Mm. uh, showing the unlimited atonement there too. Mm. He laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all, and it's a large and an indefinite number. So it's a little bit of an interplay. And when you catch that, it's kind of cool because it wasn't as if Jesus had limited them. All (laughs) that were brought to him, he was busy. He healed them all. Yeah, that'd be kind of a bummer. He heals many and then he shuts the door on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. no, that's why it's important to see. So it says the whole, uh, so they brought all the people to him and it said yeah. the whole town was assembled at the door. <laughs> uh, here we are. Um, yeah. Now, this town was a decent size. Yeah. But you know, word had to spread like wildfire, as yeah. scripture says, after he healed that man right. at the synagogue. And I just can't imagine what it must be like just having all these sick people, boom, they're just mm. healed. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Yeah. And then it shows he drove out many demons. Yeah. That's kind of the town you want to be in. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> many demons. How about cleaning up the town? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and he would not permit the demons to speak yeah. because they knew him. Mm. Notice how Jesus had authority over more than spiritual things. He also had authority over physical things. But I think it's important to notice that, and we're going to see this later, that goes into his identity as Messiah. Yeah. But he is also the eternal son of God. So the demons knew it. That's right. They just, I mean, they were Great angels. Point. They yeah. they served him up in uh, glory. So mm. um, they just know who he is. And we see from other accounts that they're scared to death of him. Because they understand if he says, you know, you're out of here, you're out of here. So that's, uh, that's uh, we would say, Peter's account from Mark. And if I can just throw yeah. in one little detail, yeah. if I just highlight this, because an illustration, uh, someone, it's not you or me, uh, speeding down the road, and they get pulled over by an unmarked police car. And the person gets out of the car and starts to write somebody a ticket, and the person in the seat goes, well, who are you? Yeah. The officer takes out his badge and shows him the badge because he has the authority to do this. Uh, Jesus is showing us his badge uh, over to both the spiritual and the physical. He's clearly the Messiah. He's clearly the Son of God. And we're seeing his authority because of what he does here, which I just love. So I know we're transitioning to Matthew 8, but I just want to throw that in because it's like this is his badge of authority. And that's why we see, too, just from 
the aspect that of Christianity is the only faith that saves you because it's through Jesus. Right. Um, and Jesus, he showed his authority. Uh, we're about to see from Matthew's account that he is the Messiah. And uh, many apostles are going to come, imposters are going to come in his name. Yeah. But uh, he's showing, hey, I'm the real thing. And basically, I can verify it by the things I do. And I'm always careful to say he'd never performed for people. It wasn't like, hey, look what I could do. Right. But it's like, I can do this because of who I am. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's an important point. Mm -hmm. So when we come to Matthew, um, we're going to get a couple more yeah. details yeah. here. Uh, written to a Jewish audience. So uh, let's just jump to 814. Sure. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Now, I think that's kind of interesting that in uh, Peter's gospel with John Mark, we believe, wrote yeah. it, and then just from the church fathers, and then Peter had a hand in it. Sure. He refers to himself as Simon, yeah. but here, uh, Matthew, his friend, refers to him as Peter. Yeah. Just, just kind of interesting. interesting. I think sure. it's a humble type of thing. Yeah. Um, well, we can get that another day. But Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. Mm -hmm. And I think Peter knew it was his own mother-in-law. Yeah. So he wouldn't mistake that. Mm -hmm. So he touched her hand, Jesus, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove mm -hmm. out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. I kind of like how they reverse it in this account. Exactly. They focus more on the spirits. Yeah. Now, the uh, CSB Bible study note state, states, Jesus' ability to drive out spirits by commands stands in contrast to the drastic measures used by Jewish exorcists. Yeah, so I read some of the things they did. Mm. They would use uh, offensive odors. Yeah, right. <laughs> Odorifus. That would get rid of spirits, <laughs> yeah. which is such a stupid concept because they're a spirit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. They and don't they're have wicked or evil, yeah. sticky spirits, we can even say. Yeah. Reminds me of VBS. Uh, <laughs> my wife has been coming, and not that she's stinky, thankfully. But... um. We were they were doing a game on the floor, and there was uh, some water on the floor because it's Christmas, so it was like they were playing a game with ice. Mm -hmm. So it was like a little beanbag type toss thing with mm -hmm. ice. But being a good wife, she's like making sure the floor is not too wet so that children don't slip and hurt themselves. And uh, she's not able to come on Monday nights because, which is our uh, gospel and games outreach night, mm -hmm. because she's uh, you know we have a, a one year old and a three year old, so. Uh, and a four-year-old who comes with me. Mm -hmm. But the point being that uh, she's was a little concerned because the floor was so wet. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, honey, uh, I come every Monday night and during game time, because we have a small facility, the floor always gets wet. But it's it's due to them not wearing their socks and shoes and sweat, yeah. <laughs> which is really kind of gross. And the smell sometimes can be kind of awful. But uh, that doesn't cast demons away that I no. know. <laughs> or, or they also use nose rings to hook them. Yeah. Which is like, what What in the world? Yeah. What, where Jesus, he just spoke. He didn't have any of these shenanigans. Mm. So um, now M Matthew's going to speak to his Jewish audience and say, so that which was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. He took, he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. And we find this from Isaiah 53, the famous account. I preached on this, studied mm -hmm. it. And it says in verse 4, 53, 4, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. So um, 
I just think it's one of those passages that Matthew is saying, hey, he's fulfilling this. He's taking yeah. these things. Uh, and we see that also in the spiritual sense. Uh, so that which was spoken to the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He yeah. himself took her weakness and carried her diseases. Uh, Jesus fulfilled the words of Isaiah in both physical and spiritual aspects. Mm-hmm. In this passage, he took away people's physical pain along with casting out demons, and he would later die in our place and take upon himself our sin, removing our spiritual pain. So I, I think it's kind of a double double entry in a good sense there. I agree. I, I think it's both. an interesting thought, the application of Isaiah 53 here, because oh. predominantly Isaiah 53 is about salvation. Uh, but people ask the question, is there healing in the atonement? And it's like, yes and no, it depends on, you know, what that means to you. you focus on the physical or the spiritual. <laughs> exactly. So ultimately, uh, there is not the ability of mankind today to have some kind of gift of healing. And that's often abused with Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2. But when you stop and think about the whole um, context of salvation, there will be a healing one day. because. Uh, once we are saved, one day we'll get a, a glorified body. So in that sense, there is uh, healing in the atonement. But I just love the application here, touching on the physical, because usually the emphasis is on the spiritual. And uh, and as you would see, agree too in that account, it also refers obviously to when your spirit is yeah. uh, the moment you're saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so, but uh, I just think it's one of those things. And if you are at a church, where they teach that you must be healthy and wealthy. Yeah. Um, by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, that has nothing to do with you being a healthy person on earth. Right. Um, because if you look at the apostles, <laughs> if you look at the early church, they're martyred, they're beaten, yeah. they're sick. Uh, Paul leaves behind sick friends. People were suffering. Um, so I, I think that whole aspect of by his stripes, we are healed is a control mechanism that's right you know and it's people not understanding scripture it's ignorance and also hey i'm healthy you know because mm-hmm. i'm doing what i should be doing right um so if you're in a church like that uh get out yeah. <laughs> so just some advice and have you ever noticed that the people who teach that are often sick yeah have you ever not I've, I've noticed it's like why do all these people who always say um by stripes we're here they're the people who are always suffering with all these physical ailments. And yeah. it's like, uh, do you, pr- it's kind of like the prosperity gospel people. Right. I know many and they're poor and they're poor. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and like, I'm going, you're not even like, practicing uh, your theology. Yeah. It's like, it's wrong, yeah. but you should be able to, you know, it's very, you should match if that's what you hold. Very low yeah. standard. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, we're going to finish this up in Luke four, mm-hmm. coming to verse 38, Dr. Luke. Mm-hmm. He says, after he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. So the Dr. Luke tells us it's a high fever, which is kind of funny because he's a doctor. He's a doctor. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. So she got up and immediately began to serve them. When the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. As he laid his hands on each one of them, Mm -hmm. he healed them. And I kind of like this, that normally we don't touch sick people. Right. Um, I even think of COVID, you know, people are petrified. A lot of right. people are terrified, yeah. you know, yeah. like, don't, don't get within so many feet of me. Where Jesus, he's gone by lepers, by yeah. people with horrible diseases, and he has no fear because he has authority over it. That's right. So, but 
I like kind of that gentle touch idea that he just comes and he lays hands on him. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, I'll heal you from over here. Yeah. You know, he's very intimate with his creation. Um, and we see that later, you know, he spits in the guy's eyes, make yeah. mud, touches the guy's tongue uh, with his finger to communicate to him what he's doing. He's very personable. Yeah. And, and, and I love that because in, uh, we were just looking to count back in, in Matthew, he touches the leper. I mean, and then he, he touches uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And a few comments here, if I, if I may, yeah. uh, just on a text, because it talks in verse 38 that the mother-in-law was suffering. Uh, Dr. Luke being very particular is using the imperfect tense showing continuous action in past time. She might've been sick for quite some time. Mm. We don't know that, but it, it seems to imply uh, that idea there, but she was suffering and it says from, and it's an intensified form here to have something, but then Dr. Luke, and it's only in Dr. Luke's account, it's a high fever. It's a great fever. And when Jesus rebukes the fever in verse 39, I have to ask the question, since back in chapter 4 and verse 35, he rebuked the demon. Is this something that was satanically induced just in order to slow down the apostles from serving the Lord? Because it's the same word for rebuked. It doesn't have to be satanic here, but the implication is that it, it could be because he rebuked the fever. This doesn't do the same with the storm that we believe could have been exactly technically induced. Yep, Mark Four, same thing. Exactly. Very good. Where other times the language used is much gentler. Like exactly. He spoke, or yeah. you know, yeah. so forth. So, um, so here he is. He heals her. Mm -hmm. um, he starts healing the people. Yeah. And then in verse forty-one of Luke four, also demons were coming out of many. Now this is another. You can tell this is when Luke is interviewing people because. Mm -hmm. We don't sometimes think about it, mm -hmm. but he would have interviewed people who were in these crowds. Right. It wasn't like Jesus did all these miracles and the people just vanished from the face of the earth. Right. They had their story to tell. Yeah. Uh, they were going around. So I'm sure Luke was interviewing some of these people. Mm. And also demons were coming out of many shouting and saying, you are the son mm. of God. Mm -hmm. What a testimony. Yes. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Um, the Bible knowledge commentary says the reason for Jesus's rebuke was that he did not come to earth so that demons could acknowledge him as the Christ, that is Messiah. Instead, he came to be acknowledged by the people. Yes. So, and he didn't want the demons testimony. Um, I think there's many reasons sure. thrown in there. Why, why he, I don't want to say it was keeping it a secret, but mm -hmm. uh, he wanted people to be able to look at scripture and I think his own words. To verify who he was but uh i always th just think that's so fascinating they're saying you are the son mm. of god mm -hmm. that's powerful um and i think too he's pointing to his identity but whenever he heals when they in other passages the people generally glorify god um jesus wasn't one to really bring all the glory to himself mm -hmm. uh, he let people worship him but he always pointed to the father and uh, that's something, kind of side note, but I've noticed with the modern church is we're so, uh, um, how should I say it? We're so stuck on the Holy Spirit, yeah. the signs, the wonders, the feelings, the emotions, that all, we, all people want to do is praise the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we always see when the Holy Spirit, he always points people to Jesus. Right. And Jesus always points people to the Father. Mm. Um, he never did, a, Jesus never did it and said, look how great I am. That's right. <laughs> It was basically, look at the Father who sent me. 
Right. And the same with the Holy Spirit. He's always pointing exactly. people to the gospel. So we have to be very careful. Mm. So let's just look. I just had one application, mm-hmm. employment point from this passage. I didn't want to make a whole bunch because I just felt like this mm-hmm. fit the text. Yeah, you know? great. <laughs> I've, I've heard the sermons before where it's, they get to the application as like nothing to do <laughs> with the sermon. <laughs> I don't know what. You know, that would be like this if it's, uh, Jesus wants you to be wealthy. It would be like, yeah. what? what happened? Yeah. So this is the, the main uh, application we can get from this. The physical and spiritual realms submit to Jesus. Um, once again, Jesus proved his power and authority over all things on earth. It revealed his role as Messiah and the Lord of everything. Mm. Jesus does everything for a purpose, so that's mm-hmm. his purpose. Yeah. Jesus simply speaks, fevers and sicknesses must leave. Yeah. The physical world submits to his command. In the same way, the spiritual forces cannot defeat him and submit. So it seems like all of creation, except humans, <laughs> at this time at least, understood that Jesus was king and submitted to him. Yeah. So a Colossians 1.16 says, For everything was created by him, mm-hmm. Jesus, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Mm-hmm. So he is over all. I think that's why it's amazing when he came down to earth because the kenosis, you know, he he emptied himself, he humbled himself, uh, didn't exercise his the, the authority he had. Um, so question I need to ask myself, have I proclaimed mm-hmm. that Jesus is the Messiah and do I submit to his rule in every aspect of my life? Scripture predicted his identity as the Messiah and he fulfilled his role. So do I submit to his kingship over my mm-hmm. life? You know, I've kind of always been opposed to lordship salvation mm-hmm. in the aspect of when you're saved. Because I think when you're saved, you really don't understand a lot. Yeah. You understand, you, you tell God, you know, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe, you know, I believe you died on the cross, rose again. You took away my sin, Jesus. And uh, you turned to him. How much you need to know to be saved, yeah. right? It's I a mean, thief on the cross. Line. Yeah. You know, it, I, you know, if you confess with your mouth, you know, it, I mean, it's simple. Yeah. But, uh. I honestly believe once you're saved, you obviously need to work towards him having kingship over your life. You don't stay in that um, simple state. Um, So we need to ask as Christians, are we submitting to him? Is he becoming Lord over our life as we mature, as we grow? Uh, James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So do we hear his word and then submit to it? Thoughts. Each day, ask yourself this. I I really want everyone listening to ask themselves this question. Each day, do I humbly submit to Jesus's authority by revealing that he is the Lord of all things, Mm -hmm. physical and spiritual? Yeah. So have we submitted to him? And this brings us to our main question. Have I fully submitted my physical body, including my mind and strength? as well as my spiritual soul to the command of my king. Mm. We see the demonic realm. Obviously, they rebelled, but they're still under his authority. They cannot act outside their authority. And also the physical realm. It submits to him, Mm. creation. So the question is, do we, as special creatures, do we submit to him both in our physical selves and also our spiritual selves? Do you have anything you want to? Add before we finish. Yeah, up. we're not Jesus. And um, James 4, because you know, you pick it up here and be doers of the word, submit yourselves therefore to God. Range yourself under his authority 
and then the devil will flee from you. It's, it's being under his authority that even gives us protection uh, from the wicked one. And I could not agree with you more. The apostle Paul was an exception. He gets saved and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Oh. Uh, but for the vast majority of us, we come to know Christ and we grow in the knowledge of oh. him. And therefore, I beseech you, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That usually comes down the road. And I think you would also say that Paul, he probably, before he was saved, knew probably 99% more than most Christians. Exactly. So he's, he's a rare case of that. Jesus appears to him, which I mean. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> that, you know, being commissioned by Jesus himself. So, but uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's one of those things that's really important for us to understand. And it, and that's why we go always to scripture yeah. because that is how God reveals himself. Exactly. Um, we live in a time and place that some people try to act like we're the early church mm -hmm. without the written word of God. So we have dreams and visions and right. all these things. But I'm always amazed how the dreams and visions tend to go contrary to what the very word of God says. Yeah. So um, I, as you, I do not believe God speaks today in yeah. you know, physical form. Mm -hmm. Or uh, you can't just hear his voice. I believe you read scripture. Yeah. Uh, he gives you prompts in your spirit. and uh, But I believe it's truly because you have read his word, you process his word, and it works together with the spirit That's right. for you to know what you should and shouldn't do. It's not like, you know, Jesus shows up and like, hey, here's a dream. Go do this. You know, so we have, I think we have to be very careful with that because it's a lot easier to say I had a dream than to say God's word says this. And when we present ourselves oh. to him and submit, and that's, it's such a hard word for people, but it's a beautiful word because shouldn't we want to be under the authority of the almighty and have his protection mm -hmm. and just know that he is the one who rules over the physical and spiritual and we trust him. He can take care of all things mm -hmm. in our lives. That's where he wants us to be. So it's well taken here, understanding his authority and who he is and what he does and we're just privileged to be under him. And I think to take it one step farther, we will all be judged by Jesus, right. um, both saved and unsaved, but speaking in this context, yeah. the saved, hopefully not the great white throne. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Don't want to meet you there. Um, but when we're saved, uh, obviously as being saved, we go before him and he tests our works, you know, to see what rewards we get, because we're obviously going to be with him. But um, I just sometimes wonder and say, hey, look, if we submit to him now on earth, when we appear before him, he's basically, you could, it's cheapening it. You could say boss or Messiah, mm -hmm. and he's going to see what kind of stewards we were. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you say, I, I want to submit. So when I see him, I can say, I, I really carried out what you said, you know? So I, I just think that's important. Mm. But All right. So um, that was podcast 18. Jesus's many miracles at Peter's house. And this was taken from Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 4. Uh, please like, subscribe, whatever service you are hearing us on. Um, exciting things are happening, and uh, I'm really enjoying with my father bringing you uh, these passages of Scripture and challenging you with them. Uh, have a great day.